Welcome to the Let the Warfighter Fight ITAS podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. ITAS, also known as Enterprise IT as a Service, allows defense agencies to more focus on the warfighter by outsourcing IT services to commercial companies in an effort to increase user efficiencies, effectiveness, and standardized network services across their entire enterprise. And today is part four of this podcast series, where we speak with Eric Hardy, who's a principal architect at Verizon, about how ITAS helps improve cross-functionality and processes for the DoD and much more. And Eric, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, glad to be here. Great. Well, let's kick it off. And if you don't mind, please explain the importance of cross-functionality to the DoD and how does ITAS help improve these processes? Sure. Yeah. So if you think about the key component of ITES, which provides that cross-functionality, it all centers around the concept of a new identity model. And if you look at the components of that identity model, it kind of explains how that assists in creating that new process flow. So unified endpoint management is one of the key features of a new cross-functional type of enterprise IT service. And basically, if you look at the way that traditionally IT groups provide services to customers, you have a machine, you get a a PC, and on that machine, you have all your applications. And with that PC, you connect to wherever the servers are that provide those application services. Well, in a unified endpoint management environment, you basically allow a user to get to his data and his applications from any device and no matter where they are. So you have, if you think about the traditional, in the modern network, what are the traditional endpoints? You typically have a user with a desktop PC, with a smartphone, and sometimes, you know, maybe some kind of tablet. But now, with the advent of virtual desktop integration, we can put all of that user's data and applications on a virtual desktop that sits in the cloud. So wherever he is, and whatever device he's on, he can access his uh, applications and data. And to go along with that, to provide a secure environment, the second concept that's part of that cross-functionality is identity, credentials, and access management. And so the concept behind ICAM is that I create an identity provider that knows who you are, and is less concerned about where you are and what device you're using. It's more concerned about what your role is and what you have access to. And so credentials is basically, you know, we think of in the old days, you log in with a username and password, and then as it evolved, you start using things like smart cards as your credentials. So in the new world, there's the concept of multi-factor authentication which basically allows us to use uh, different processes to identify, I know who you are, I know what you have, and I know what you know. And so those are the different factors that are used to authenticate a user. And so the other piece of the new model, as we talked about, is my ability to provide the user with access to data and applications, no matter where they are and what device they're using. So those are the, the key concepts of cross-functionality that improve the processes that the Army uh, currently uses. 
Great. You know, and in many ways, you touched upon this for my next question when you talked about multi-factor authentication. But let's dive a little bit deeper. And if you don't mind, tell us about the role that security plays with this and what areas should the DOD be focused on with respect to cross-functionality? Yeah, sure. So if you look at traditional networks, one of the things that is prevalent is what's known as the attack surface. So in other words, if I have a very large network, with a large number of devices throughout my enterprise, then I create a single, very large attack surface that I'm trying to protect. So typically, in the traditional networks, I put a firewall at the outside of my network, and I put things like uh, antivirus technologies on my devices. And so the whole concept is I'm trying to protect my network so that whoever is inside my network is a trusted device. But in the new model, instead of looking at the network as the trust boundary, instead, we look at the user's identity as a trust boundary. So I no longer have to rely on protecting every device in the network, although I still keep those measures in place. But instead, I have an ICAM architecture that allows me to provide a user access on a session basis, meaning that when I connect to my server, I'm allowed for that session to access what the identity provider says I have the ability to access. So the whole difference between the old model of trying to protect the network and trying to protect all the devices in the network so that I can trust the network is is something that's become too difficult to achieve. In other words, more and more types of devices have to be put onto the network to to, to find new ways to block and discover threats. But what we've learned is that a typical hacker who is trying to compromise my network, the first thing he'll do is try to compromise my device, which is inside the network. So I send a user an email, they click on a link, And by clicking on that link, now the attacker basically has compromised that device. So now the attacker is inside my network. So I can no longer trust the network the way that I used to. So that's one of the biggest problems that I solve with the new security model. Okay, great. Now let's shift. If you don't mind, describe how ITAS helps to eliminate segmentation using the as-a-service model. And how does this promote interoperability? Well, you can think of segmentation in two different ways. The first, which I've talked a little bit about, is the segmentation of the network itself. And typically, if you have a very large, complex network with multiple locations and multiple groups at each location, you typically separate the users and the group using network devices like firewalls. So that basically says, if you're in this segment over here, then if I want to go to this segment over here, there's a bunch of rules that say what I can and cannot do. And so in the new model, I have less interest in where a user is in the network. I'm only interested in, based on their role, what it is that they do, and therefore I provide them access to that information. But the other aspect of segmentation is is organizations themselves. And so one of the biggest challenges that the Army has is that there are different groups that manage different sets of devices in different parts of the network, 
And sometimes they, they're, they're not very effective in communicating with each other to troubleshoot issues, to improve performance, et cetera. So the concept of ITAS is that I completely outsource the enterprise to a single provider. In that scenario, now the provider has full visibility of all of the enterprise itself and all of the groups that are part of that enterprise. And another big part of segmentation is most large enterprises, including the Army, have a very large partner ecosystem. Well, in the traditional model, it means that those partners are, quote unquote, outside of the network. And so I have to set up the same types of boundary protections to say, if you're a partner and you're on this network, I have to decide what I can allow you to do and what I can prevent you from doing. Well, in a new model, this is now based not on where they are, but what their role is. So I can sort of remove the artificial network boundaries. Okay, awesome, awesome. If you don't mind, can you give us an example of how the promise of better cross-functionality with ITAS can help the DOD with their overall mission? So a good example is the DOD traveler. So a user that sits on... Fort Benning that travels to Fort Eustis typically has a government-furnished laptop. And so when they travel to the new location, there's a very cumbersome process to allow them to get access back to their applications and data at their original location. So in the new model, I don't treat a user at Fort Benning differently than I treat a user at Fort Eustis. Instead, I have a single enterprise environment where that user's identity provides the rules and the authentication and the authorization for them to access their data and their applications. So that's a huge paradigm shift for the DOD. And that's a key to improving the process of onboarding, adding new services, which typically requires that that same traveler goes to that new location in the current environment, there's a manual process that has to be set up so that that user can get approval to connect his device in a new location, number one. And then they've got to have a set of processes that allow all of the network devices between the old location and the new location to allow new rules of allowing traffic to, to pass from one location to the other. So it's, it's the, the old model of, I trust the network, so I have to know where you are and where you're connected. And based on that, I can determine you know, where you can go. But in the new model, it really doesn't matter where I'm located. It only matters that I know who you are and I know what you're allowed to do. And therefore, the process of connecting in a new environment is, is pretty much automated, in some ways automatic. All right, great. Well, Eric, I really appreciate you sharing your insights with us today. And for our last question is, can you tell us how the DOD can leverage this in today's current environment and beyond? Well, in a lot of ways, what the DOD is trying to do, instead of trying to adapt their current environment, they're really trying to transform in its entirety the environment to this new model. Because in the as-a-service model, the current environment becomes a lot less difficult to make changes. It becomes a lot less difficult to 
bring on new users or bring on new applications. So the real goal for the DOD is rather than to simply adopt new technology in their current environment, it's really to transform to the new model. And I think that's where they'll really see the greatest improvement in you know, processes and performance. It allows the, the DOD to move their focus away from trying to manage a large-scale complex network and focus on their mission. Great, Eric. Thanks for those insights. And it certainly seems like this would work very well in the COVID and the post-COVID environment. And tell us more about that. Well, and that's a great point because the, the DOD is already addressing the world of COVID. And in that sense, what they're doing is basically allowing all of their users to work remote. And so there's a lot of traditional remote technologies that allow them to do that. So we basically just set up, you know, virtual private networks. So I, wherever I am, I can just set up a VPN and connect to the existing environment. And that normally works well. However, in the new model, it's a lot more seamless because now I don't have to rely so much on making sure that the VPN connects along the right path through the network and connects through the existing DOD security stacks and security devices, but instead I just connect them directly into the new ICAM model so that, again, the transparency of where they are is much less important. So there's less that I have to do when I see a user come in from wherever they are and whatever type of VPN we've provided to them, I'm still focused on their identity as opposed to their location. So in the COVID environment, the new identity model works a lot more seamlessly. Okay, great. Well, this concludes this episode of Let the Warfighter Fight ITAS podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. And for part four of this podcast series, Eric Hardy, Principal Architect at Verizon, was kind enough to share his insights into how ITAS helps improve cross-functionality and processes for the DOD and much more. And be, to, be sure to stay tuned for further episodes of Let the Warfighter Fight ITAS podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. And Eric, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, absolutely. Glad to be here. <laughs>